This is your host, Shashank Shekhar, and welcome to another episode of Shashank Redemption. Which now, in retrospect, I do feel like I should have done it earlier. How we make that more human opportunity to build. Look at what they need in order to succeed. Been looking forward to this. Okay, everyone, welcome back to another episode of Shashank Redemption, where we talk about entrepreneurship, we talk to different founders. Um, but today I'm super excited about um, bringing our special guest uh, into, the, um, into the office to record this. Uh, his name is Brian Townsend, and uh, his story is, is very different than a lot of other guests that we usually get on the show who typically are, are startup founders. Uh, they've founded technology companies. But Brian has a very interesting story, and and I would not steal the limelight and and take it away from him. But his journey into uh, teaching entrepreneurs, being an entrepreneur himself, uh, has been very different than any other guest that we have ever had on the show. So, Brian, welcome to Shashank Redemption. Thanks, Shashank. Appreciate it. And as I said, I will not steal your limelight and give away your story because, of course, I'll not do uh, uh, justice to it like the way you would. So. Take us through your journey from being, what, an undercover narc, as they say, to where you are, and, and how did that happen? Yeah, I actually started my career as a police officer in Joplin, Missouri. Uh, you know, great community, great department, and great experience, but my passion was to be a special agent with the Drug Enforcement Administration, the DEA, and mm-hmm. that was my goal. That was my dream, and uh, after about five years at Joplin, I was able to accomplish that Uh was in several offices. I can kind of walk you through that. I was first assigned in Little Rock, Arkansas. I worked a lot of uh, local impact cases where, you know, we would work with state and local law enforcement and identify and target violent criminals and organizations. After about 10 years there, I uh, decided I wanted to go into management. I was promoted to a first line supervisor position in Corpus Christi, Texas. And uh, and I thought I had a pretty good foundation with 15 years of law enforcement under under my belt. But what I learned working along the Southwest border was just absolutely incredible. Um, And this was an interesting time period as well. The 2010s, there was was fighting between two drug cartels, the the Gulf cartel and the Las Setas. And and, uh, their war and and the violence was forcing a lot of the drug trafficking further east along the the border, right into the area that my team was responsible for. we were working significant seizures every single day. And I, I just, I learned so much more about the border and about drug cartels and just about drug enforcement in general. Mm-hmm. After, uh, after about seven years, I was, was ready for a change and, and I had an opportunity to come to Quantico, Virginia. Now mm-hmm. Quantico is the uh, Marine Corps base, but uh, on the Marine Corps base, two federal agencies, the DEA and the FBI do yes. all the training. Mm-hmm. And at Quantico, I was actually in charge of most in-service training. So in-service training for DEA is advanced training. So when our folks in the field, you know, wherever they may be, when they need uh, advanced training in specific areas, they come to Quantico. So my units ran programs like uh, you know, money laundering, conspiracy, mm-hmm. and of course, all the leadership programs. And, and, and I was actually able to start and lead DEA's first leadership and development training unit. And that was that was awesome. When we were working with organizations, uh, even major universities like uh, Notre Dame and University of Virginia, and I'm really, really proud of the work that uh, that we did for our almost 10,000 person workforce. But after five years in Quantico, I, I, you know, I had an opportunity to come back to to Springfield, Missouri, and 
and Joplin is, is, is within that area. So it was really special for me to, to come back to that area and sure. run the office there and, 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 and just, you know, to come back where I started my career, cause I knew I was going to end it there. And, uh, a lot of great success there. We operated all over Southwest Missouri, but I realized, especially after my time in Quantico, that you know my passion was training. That's that's what I really wanted to do. Mm. You know, and I'm proud of my time in law enforcement. And uh, you know, no one entrusted my care and supervision was ever hurt or killed in the line of duty. But my passion was training, and I knew at this point in my life I could have more impact in helping people. You know, through training. Mm-hmm. So I left DEA at age 50 and a lot of my friends uh, still say that, uh, you know, you're too young. That's crazy. You know, what are you doing? Um, you know, this may sound a little unbelievable, but for me, getting into law enforcement was about helping people. And, and I really, truly enjoyed arresting bad guys and taking drugs off the streets. But I knew at this point in my life that uh, that I had more to offer. And, and that's why I started Eagle Six Training. So that's that's my journey <laughs> to where I am now. Wow! Yeah, from from Missouri Police Department to Quantico to to Eagle Six. By the way, um, that's the name of uh, Brian's company. It's Eagle Six Training, and the website is Eagle Six Training dot com. Um, talk to us about what would have been extremely adrenaline pumping, infiltrating a drug cartel cartel that that um, you were part of during during your time with the with the DEA. I mean, how how did that happen? Of course, I mean, I'm sure you would you would only reveal the information that that the public can know. But I mean, us being entrepreneurs and, and founders, that's not something we hear every day. Um, uh, police and police officer or DEA agent infiltrating a drug cartel. Um, how did I mean? How did that happen? And what are some of the lessons that you learned from something like this? I mean, I'm sure. There were tons of leadership lessons because we usually as, as company founders and company CEOs think about our day-to-day job as, as very hard and difficult sometimes, but I can only imagine how hard it would, it would happen to be to be part of an, like an undercover agent with a drug cartel. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and leadership lessons is where I wanted to go with that. I, uh, you know, I, a lot of people do leadership training, but that's what I wanted to be more unique and use my previous 30 years experience in law enforcement. And I knew I had a lot of interesting experiences and stories and, and, but I didn't want to be the guy that just got up there and told a story. You know, I, 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 I worked some undercover operations early, early in my, early in my career. And, and in this particular story, I was able to meet uh, some sources from Mexico who were uh, dealing methamphetamine and marijuana. And mm-hmm. I was able to deal directly with them. And, Again, I didn't want to just go and talk about this operation and tell a war story. Sure, I of course. Yeah. So from you know from working hard to to taking initiative or or managing sp- uh, stress, I I just I I incorporated several several leadership lessons along this this story along this journey, and, and my goal was really to make it relevant to any industry to any listener. Yeah, so let's let's talk about some of these things. Is is what were your learning, uh, especially leadership lessons? And as you rightly mentioned, I mean those are the lessons that's relevant for any industry, any executive, any founder, any CEO. Um, and uh, we would like to, of course, the audience would like to see uh, what were some of those learnings that you think uh, is relevant for everyone else on on listening to this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you know, meeting 
two sources of supplies from Mexico was, was very stressful. Yeah. So I, you know, I had to manage stress. I had to, uh, I had to bring my A game, you know, I had to, I had to identify with, with, what they were doing and, 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 and be prepared, you know, I, and I had to rely on my team. I had people that were watching me, especially when I was in actually in my undercover capacity. Uh, you know, we met them in a hotel room outside of Dallas, Texas. So I had to, uh, I had to, you know, depend on my team. And, 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 and so I talk about teamwork, uh, you know, when we were talking to them, I, you know, I had to be flexible because things would change, you know, they, they wanted the operation to go one way. And, you know, for instance, they wanted me to, uh, to follow them to a house, you know, sure. that wasn't safe. I knew that wasn't safe. So I had to be flexible and recognize, you know, opportunities. And, and I just tried to find things that, like I said, were relevant to any listener, not just, not just a war story. Um, Sure. Pay attention to the details, you know, watching their, their, their body language, uh, things they said, things they didn't say. Um, and just along this whole operation, even before the actual undercover experience, I mean, just, you know, managing my emotions, um, learning from previous experiences, um, learning from my mistakes. Um, so, so, let's, Good. so, so Brian, yeah, let, let's talk about one of the things that you mentioned. Of course, you, you had to go through practically everything that uh, a true leader should should be good at of course not everybody is and and that's why speakers and trainers and consultants like you come in with real life experience to to help them uh, get better at some of these things let's talk about the stress management right one thing that you have mentioned a couple of times is the fact that it was very stressful and un- understandably so and in a very different environment i mean entrepreneurs also uh, go through serious stress uh, during, I mean, running a company or starting a company, what um, are some of the lessons, or what is it that some of the things that you are teaching other executives and management about finding balance and understanding stress, and and uh, I mean, how can they overcome that, or how can they get better at it? I'm sure overcoming and getting rid of it completely is probably unrealistic for some of us, but how do they find that balance, and how do they how do they get better at stress management? my answer is like what you just said, finding that balance, you know, that that's, you, you have to find that balance and you have to have realistic expectations. You know, I, I think about my own career. Sometimes I had bosses I didn't like, I, I had coworkers that were lazy. I, I had, I had people that did things that were out of my control. So I had to come into every situation with reasonable expectations, realistic expectations. You know, I, I, the only thing I control is myself. So if I can control myself and how I approach things, I was better prepared and the outcomes were usually more positive. Okay. Uh, that that's the best thing. And, and and of course, some of the things that we always hear, you know, exercising, uh, uh, just managing stress, you know, uh, getting better sleep, uh, eating healthier. I mean, those, those things actually matter when it comes to uh, your overall health and stress. No, absolutely. And, Give us an example or two of, say, setting realistic expectations that you see um, either in the in the business world when you are uh, speaking and talking to some of these executives, or from your from your own life experience, from the law enforcement life that you had prior to this. Uh, what do you mean when you say realistic expectations? That some things are not un, under your control. That uh, you know, like I said, I had bosses that would make decisions that. Uh, that I knew the team wouldn't like, or that I wouldn't like. I, I had coworkers that maybe didn't pick up 
the ball or, or the slack, you know, they were, they were lazy and, and, and it, it was irritating because, you know, you, you didn't think that, that management was hold, holding them accountable. You know, I worked with uh, attorneys at times that, you know, maybe they wouldn't charge folks uh, when we thought we had the, the case, you know, we thought we had enough to prosecute them, you know, judges sometimes made decisions. So I just tried to, to realize that those things were out of my control mm. that, I can't change those people. And the only thing I can really change is myself. Sure. So if I approach those situations where I'm not stressed going into them thinking, oh, this, you know, this person's going to do that or this, that, that made things a lot easier. Uh, you know, okay. it, it just, I just had more realistic expectations. And like I said it, earlier, it, it just, the outcomes were a lot more positive. Yeah, great, great point there that, that you focus on what you control because there are a lot of things that we don't control and we get super attached to it or we get super frustrated by the outcome, even though we had very little to play in the in the outcome of that. But how do you, uh, at, at a more tactical level, is this like a lifelong work in progress kind of thing where you continuously kind of train your mind to do that? Because we, some of us know that that's what we should be doing, but but when it comes to reality, we don't act like that, right? We still get super stressed about the fact. I think um, there is, I think, a famous quote that I um, I don't remember the exact quote, but it's it's about you being in misery currently for the future misery is because you expect that misery to happen, even though you don't don't even know yet, and you're already stressed about it. Um, and I think Mark Twain said that I had a lot of a uh, lot of miseries in my life most of which never happened is because he was kind of thinking into the future and getting stressed about it. Um, so is this more like a continuous training of your brain? I mean, how, how would you train someone to have that realistic expectation and have the fact that you can only control what you can and you don't need to be stressed about it? Yeah, it is continuous. And you know, you, you really you do your homework on who are you dealing with? You know, when you go into a meeting, you know, you, you have a sense of of, of who you're dealing with and, and you do your homework on the people. I, I knew that I worked with certain people that, that weren't capable of doing certain things. So instead of getting aggravated or, or upset or stressed over it, you know, I, I just, I had to be more realistic on how I would approach those people or, or, or get the outcomes that I needed from those people. So, you know, that, that's a big thing. Just like I said, just doing your homework and, and understand who you're talking to and who you're dealing with. No, totally makes sense. Let's talk about emerging leaders because a lot of uh, uh, people who listen to uh, this podcast they are they are founders. They what they they may not call themselves emerging leaders, but that's what it is. When you start a new company, you are kind of an emerging leader. This is something that you have not done in the past. This is something that you are now getting kind of used to. This is something you have to be good at uh, if you want to run your company well. If you if you want to run your life well, what are what is leadership for them, according to you, and and what are the kind of skills that these emerging leaders should have, uh, or should master, or get better at to to become better leaders in the future? Yeah, absolutely. I I love this this part of a company because these are the people we really need to be focused on. These are the this is the pipeline of, of folks that are going to be, you know, running our teams, our groups, our units. You know, maybe replacing us one day and. Mm-hmm. I think about, we spend so much time recruiting, you know, and that's a good thing. You know, we all want the best talent, right. You know, and, 
we spend money finding these employees and we, we onboard them and, and, and then we introduce them to the supervisor. You know, we, 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 we probably give them a computer and a desk or a cubicle or something. And then we, we just seem to forget about them. And development needs to be about, you know, identifying these folks early on and showing them that you care, you know, because a lot of these people are going to be your talent, your, your hard hitters, you know, the, like I said, the folks that are going to be running your, your teams and, and, and your, in your, in your divisions. Um, but all too often we just kind of just promote them and, and we hope for the best, you know, it's like a big gamble. Um, so we really need to focus on identifying who these folks are. I and mean, we already did this through recruiting and, and, and hopefully uh, uh, the interviews and the onboarding. And then let's just start developing along their career. So when they are ready to promote, you know, we've given them a leg up. We're not just saying, Hey, we, you were good at your job. Uh, we're going to make you the manager, but you may be horrible at that. <laughs> and, then we become, and then we could, we become reactive in trying to fix it. Mm-hmm. Send them the training, you know, give them, uh, develop them. You know, and, prepare for the next uh, journey in their career. And, and so uh, what I'm hearing is that you're kind of, you, you're training them more into decision-making, training them more into critical thinking, uh, because these are the kind of skills on job that they need to have to, to get better in the future. Absolutely. Critical thinking, uh, making decisions, um, tr- trust, compassion, being authentic, just, just all the, the, the core leadership uh, uh, skills out there, just, just making them ready for that next level because it's just, it's aggravating. I saw this a lot in law enforcement and I see this a lot with the organizations is, is we just take this gamble. We just say, Hey, you were probably good with your job. And now we're going to make you the, the manager. And, and, and some people, let's face it. Some people are really good at their work, but they're horrible managers because it's something you really need to work on. And, and, and to me, if we're going to invest time in finding these people, finding this talent, then we need to invest in making them the best that they can be and preparing them for that next level. I mean, really preparing them to replace ourselves. So critical thinking and decision-making, which is, uh, I think, two sides of the same coin. It's something that I am assuming, uh, of course, I've, I've never been in your shoes, but I'm assuming those are the two thinkings that, uh, two, two skills that would have been extremely critical, sometimes even just to survive, just to live into with some of the job that that you went through as, as a law enforcement officer. How, how did that shape your ability to be, say, a better critical thinker or decision-maker? Were there certain elements that that you were looking for, like other person's body language or uh, what was the current situation? Like, how would you go about being better at, at critical thinking and, and uh, being better at uh, making decisions? Because those two elements sometimes could be the difference between uh, running a successful company to, to closing down the company because you made some really bad decisions and now you're at a place where uh, you are at a point of, no return, so to say. So how did you get better at, at those two things? Because those are the things which are extremely critical, not just for emerging leaders, but I mean, even leaders who are established and, and running large companies. Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're, you know, you're continually evaluating information, you know, because you, you want to arrive at a conclusion that's safe, especially in, in the law enforcement career. You know, I think about traffic stops, you know, I, I, I get so annoyed when I hear the media say the word routine, there, there's absolutely nothing routine about a traffic stop. They're absolutely dangerous. Anytime there's an encounter, you know, I, you, you, you're dealing with people, you don't know what their intentions are. And, and moreover, most, most of the time they're, they're 
they're not there to harm you, but, but sure. sometimes they are. So you have to be prepared. So a lot of that's just through experience, you know, just, just constantly looking, you know, the body language, like you mentioned, that's huge, you know, especially in law enforcement, you know, where, what are their hands doing? Where, where are their eyes? You know, so you pick up on those little things and over time you get a little bit better at them, but you're, you're always, always evaluating information, whether you're a police officer or whether the CEO, I mean, you're always evaluating information to, because you want to arrive at a conclusion that makes sense, that, that has the best, you know, most favorable outcome. And, and not go with a confirmation bias. So, so, I mean, giving again the example of traffic stop, you're not just going with, with a bias that this is a safe traffic stop or this is a dangerous traffic. Tra- you're, not, you're not thinking of a decision already in your head getting into that thing and then taking all the data points that's coming in very quickly in this case, of course, and figuring out what's the best action. Yeah, absolutely. You, you And we get, the, the, the concern there is you get, you know, too complacent. So you need, you can't, especially in a law enforcement career yet, you know, you have to treat each situation as it's unique, but, but still use all the, uh, you know, your critical thinking skills, all, you know, all your previous experience and all the things that you're seeing and not seeing to, to help, you know, have a favorable, uh, favorable outcome. Yeah. And, and you, about you trying to train the emerging leaders to become the future leaders and starting it starting it very early. I uh, I remember I worked for General Electric out of my business school and I was only an assistant manager there. Uh, and they already had a program uh, called Emerging CEOs and, and I was shortlisted for that. But what was surprising to me was, I mean, I was probably seven rungs below the CEO at that point of time. And there was only one CEO, of course. And it's not as if they were training for multiple CEOs. And they were already scoping at that level, like level like ours, on who could be the future emerging leader. In this case, the future emerging CEO, of course, not all of them, or if any of them ended up becoming the CEO, but they were already scouting for that kind of kind of leadership potential into people, which is uh, which to me was was both impressive and surprising, is because I never heard uh, people being chosen that early. Like if you're the vice president or senior vice president. Uh, you are one or two level away from the CEO. I've heard companies uh, starting to kind of uh, groom people into becoming future leaders or future CEOs, but not at that level. What's your take on on that? I mean, to me, as I said, it was both both impressive, but but also surprising because, I mean, even if I ended up being being the CEO, it probably would have taken me 15, 20 years from then. I think it's wonderful. I think I wish every company out there would do that. I mean, yeah. think about how it made you feel and and what it did for you. You know, you're your confidence, your career. I mean, that's incredible. And I, t- I tell you, Shank, what I really, what I really see happening is, and what I fear happening, especially in this economy is training and development being cut or reduced. Uh, you know, we're, we're laying off people and we're making changes. And I, I joke and I say that training is, is like the music and art department of a school district. You know, it's, <laughs> it's always among the first to get cut, but it's so invaluable though. Right. You know, it's, it's really not funny though. It's, it's actually very serious. And, and, and not only that, when, when people are, are let go and it's like I said, especially in this economy, what do you think is going through the minds of the other employees in the, in the business? You know, they're wondering if they're next, you know, that's what, that's, what's happening around the water cooler, you know, or what's going to happen next? What, what additional changes are they going to make? And, and, and not only that, we're asking people to do more with less. I mean, this is, this is the reality of, of, of what companies do. And, People need to know they're cared about and think about how you felt 
when 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 they were looking at your development, mm-hmm. I mean, you work harder, you you trust people more, and, and in those type of environments, in those type of cultures, it's a win win. Um, you know, I, I get it. Companies they want to stay in the black. That's that's absolutely why we do this, right? Sure. But there has to be a balance, and and when you take care of people, they're going to take care of you. So if I have if I'm asking people to do less. Uh, or I'm sorry, if I'm asking people to do more with less, they're going to do it if they trust me. Yeah, and that that totally makes sense. That's so creating that culture of trust, creating that culture of balance uh, within the organization. It's so important. You talked talked about training uh, and development of uh, of employees, and that's what uh, Eagle Six training specializes in. So that brings me to some of the services that you provide, uh, Brian, to. Uh, to individuals, to leaders, to companies, uh, let's talk about some of the uh, some of the services that you provide and and how they can reach out to you and how they can benefit from that. Yeah, I I, I think I have a really unique perspective on on leadership, and uh, uh, you know, my experience in law enforcement is relatable. It's transferable to to other industries. You know, I, I know a lot about crisis and risk because I lived it. I mean, you know, I managed. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Um, you know, I had, I led countless operations where I had to worry about, uh, you know, undercover agents or informants, or, you know, we were making, uh, we're executing search warrants or making arrests. And, you know, these are things that I can, that, that are transferable to, to business. And, uh, and that's what Eagle Six is about. You know, we, we have, Right now, our services are around leadership. There's still a few with leader uh, with law enforcement components. Um, I still do some things with basic narcotics investigations and things like that. But uh, but our 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 future is is leadership. It's 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 helping people be better and, and preparing you know the emerging leaders, the the, the frontline leaders, and and just leadership at all levels in in, in the organization. Um, Another one I, I I think I should mention or I'd like to mention if you don't mind is is I have a I prepared a a, a lesson plan on opioids and and fentanyl and wow yeah and, and this is something that I did for any audience I mean this is something that I really think people need to hear it, it, I tell you after almost thirty years in law enforcement I have never ever seen a drug more dangerous than fentanyl I mean it is an absolute game changer. And that's really why I, I developed this was, was the public needs to know. I mean, parents need to know. Everyone needs to know. I mean, 107,000 people died of a drug overdose last year. 107,000 people. That's crazy. It's 300 people a day. And, and we know now that about 67% of those people died from synthetic opioids like, like fentanyl. And they're just, they're, they're just killing people. And, and, and like I said, it, an absolute game changer, and 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 I'm really proud of, of this class. And 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 again, it's it's something that I think everyone needs to know. It's it's not just for law enforcement. No, I, I totally agree. Um, and and I also um, just to the audience here, the the fact that I mean, we try to get our leadership lessons um, from people who are either writers or speakers, or or maybe some of them were were CEOs or or leaders in the past, but Really, when I look at what you did for 30 years, as you said, Brian, I mean, trying to uh, understanding stress management, uh, understanding critical thinking, decision making, adaptability, leadership, all of that is uh, what we think at the level that we operate at. You had to operate at 10x, if not 100x in some cases, because 
literally it was a matter of life and death for you and other people uh, who were involved with this. So uh, the the kind of training that can come from someone like you, having lived through this for for all these years and then trained several people doing this, is extremely invaluable. So I'll um, I'll uh, really see ask my my audience to to seriously look at Eagle Six training if these that's this something that that they are looking into working plus what you're doing on on opioid uh, epidemic it's something which is uh, extremely noteworthy because you're right i mean it is it is an epidemic and something that i mean you don't usually get informed about until it's probably too late for you or your family members so uh, so thank you for working on that across across different spectrum uh, of industries and people Anything else you'd like to close with, uh, Brian? This has been a very useful conversation for everything, as you rightly mentioned, irrespective of what industry you are in, irrespective of, I mean, you could be a student listening to it really, and you could still learn so much from from what just Brian mentioned is because he also mentioned the earlier that you start, the better it is. Uh, but any closing thoughts on on what, um, what our listeners um, should know about the things, where they are and, and where they want to be next in life and and what should they be doing? Yeah, sure. I, you know, I self-reflection, you know, you, you do these things for your companies or your people or yourself because you want to be better. You want them to be better. And I talk a lot about self-reflection. Uh, let me tell a quick story real quick. I, I was working with a company in Virginia and mm-hmm. I, I love this story. They told me they, they had a broken culture. I mean, just absolutely broken. And they brought a leadership consultant in, and he, he put all of the management in one room he gave them all a piece of paper and a pen, and he said, "What's wrong with this company?" And and I'm I'm sure you can imagine there was a lot of laughter, and you know people joked about not having enough paper or not enough ink, <laughs> you know. But after a few minutes, he stops him and he takes out a hundred dollar bill and he says, "I'll give this to anyone who wrote themselves." Oh wow! It, right, and, and it, it's so powerful because yes. change starts with within, and whether it's change for yourself or whether it's the people that you know, that you take care of it, that, that, that are your subordinates. Um, we can only work on ourselves and it's the one thing we can control. So if you're going to make a change in an organization, start with yourself. Yeah, that's huge. Starting with yourself and, and working on what you control and you control nothing more than yourself. So that's, that's a profound lesson in, in everything from self-improvement to leadership, to, to building a better culture uh, within the organization. Uh, thank you, Brian, for for taking the time out and uh, coming to my podcast again. Brian can be found. Brian Townsend uh, can be found at eagle 6 trainingcom That six is a number, so eagle 6 trainingcom And then he can also be reached at Brian at eagle 6 trainingcom Thank you, Brian. Uh, thank you for spending time with us. Um, and this was really useful. Thanks, Shank. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you for tuning into another episode of Shashank Redemption with your host, Shashank Shikhar. Be sure to follow, subscribe, and review us. And check out shashankredemption.com to connect with me.